call it. Call it, yes. For a whole lot. Just call it. Welcome to episode three of the Call It Friendo podcast with myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Annika Tiernan. In this week's episode, we discuss two films from Japanese filmmaker Kinji Fukuzaku, 1973's Battles Without Honor and Humanity and 2000's Battle Royale. This podcast contains spoilers for both films right from the start. I quite enjoyed both of the films for this week. I enjoyed one more than the other, probably. I bet I can guess which one that is. Hmm, I would be intrigued to find out. Anyway, shall we move into the first film? Yes, let's do that. I believe it's your go at intro. This was your choice, so that's why I'm going to describe it. So your choice was Battles Without Honor and Humanity, or to give it its correct title, Jingi Naki Tatakai. Nice. Also known in the West as the Yakuza Papers. The first film in a series of films. Yeah, and just to uh, say, the is, series of films is called the Yakuza Papers. Sorry wow. if that wasn't clear there. Yeah, so what this is, is Kinji Fukusaku directed five films starring Bunta Sugawara as Shozo Hirono, who was a Yakuza character based on a real uh, Yakuza mm. man, Kozo Mino. And this series of films, starting with the first one, Battles Without Honor and Humanity, depict a period of time in the city of Hiroshima between 1950 and 1972, which was called the Hiroshima Strife. At that time, the Japanese mafia in post-World War II Japan were picking up the pieces, especially in this area, in a place that was obviously bombed with uh, a nuclear bomb, and people were living in uh, horrible poverty. So they did whatever they could to try to get ahead. This film tells the story of a few Yakuza families, a few mafia families that were fighting each other for territory. And similar to something like The Godfather, explains a series of events that show how these families evolved and developed and how their fates intertwined with each other. You've uh, been given the unenviable task of taking us through this one chronologically, which is it's a, tough. It's a tough ask. It's a tough one, but then again, I would I would put forward that in, neither the chronology nor the plot matters much, except on no. one one or two occasions where it comes to, it comes to bear. But apart from that, it's just mainly about the violence and backstabbery. I would say, no. Yeah, uh, more or less. I mean, it's the main or why this was it like uh, controversial or different at the time was that Yakuza films prior to this point had always shown chivalry and this yeah. was the first this was the first famous film which showed people double crossing each other ripping off their own their own mafia family like acting in a down and dirty way to get well to be fair ahead now, where necessary well when operating in within the yakuza genre so sort of like the original western genre let's say whereas yakuza's had been depicted negatively but in, not necessarily in yakuza films like in akira kurosawa's films drunken angel or the bad sleep well they're not they're not depicted so nicely but again those are more so regular people interacting with the yakuza whereas these ones only feature Yakuza and yeah, almost to a man, I would say, uh, and, uh, and yeah. a lady, and one and lady. Well, yeah, 
A, a few different ladies. But one, uh, one, that, one that sticks in my mind. Was this the sex lady? No, it wasn't. That's not the lady I'm talking about. I oh, was right. talking about Yamamori's wife. Ah, yes, yes, of course. The boss, yeah, yeah. the boss's lady. Lady Macbeth. This one begins on... Well, I don't know. You take us through yeah, it, so there, I liked I'll, it from moment one. All I will say about this was that I, didn't, I hadn't done any research about it prior to watching it. All I knew that no, it right. was called... They'd be, people had talked about it as though it was like the Japanese answer to The Godfather and obviously coming from a similar time, just a few years after the first Godfather film. So I was kind of expecting something similar to The Godfather. Mm. But what I didn't, I didn't realize that it was based on a series of newspaper articles. Yeah, it's interesting that. By this guy, Kozomino. So what happened was that the toy company, who were like a major film production studio there, really they took this, uh, these newspaper articles. They got it's by this journalist, Koichi Iboshi. And then they hired uh, a writer to turn it into a film series. What's clear in the film is that it, it, this is when I was about halfway through the film, I realized like, oh, wait, this is just this. This must be a real thing that happened because yeah, it's yeah. just a series of events of like at this at this time, somebody died. At yeah, this yeah, time, yeah. another person died. No three act narrative is this crappy. No, no. Like nobody invents stuff like this. It's like, um, I don't know. Have you ever read the Cormac McCarthy book, uh, Blood Meridian? No, I always planned to. That I realized it was what written in like 1985 or something. So I've had a while to get around to it. But you, you'll get her. It's one of those things. You'll get around to it. And I hear it's it, great. I hear when it's you, great. yeah, when you do, you'll yeah. It won't even matter. It yeah. won't even matter that it had taken you so long. It's just it's yeah. such a, a wonderful, wonderful book. But it's actually based on McCarthy read a series of I think three lengthy articles in Life magazine by a fellow called Samuel Chamberlain, who's largely acknowledged as being the main character in Blood Meridian, the boy. Mm. It's called My Confession. Oh, that's Confession. right. I, I, no, I remember now. It's based on a real person. Those yeah, was his who, name, who Judge. Was uh, well, no, Judge Holden was the fictionalization. He was but, re- of, uh, but of, of a real person. Yeah. I feel like that's based on a real person. Basically, and th- th- I will bring this back around to uh, yeah. Without Honor Humanity, but uh, with that, it oh, figures that McCarthy might have taken a line for a walk because it's referred to a large, bald man who had no hair, and he's basically mm. epitomized as the, as the devil in the story. But Samuel you know, Chamberlain, who was part of the Glanton gang, wrote this book, what book, series of articles in Life magazine called My Confession, and that was said largely to be the inspiration for Blood Meridian. And Blood Meridian, just like Battles Without Honor, uh, or humanity it manages to find i suppose its meaning and its drive in just the bloody awful chaos that's happening and the kind of meaning of it comes out of the environment and the piece as a whole if you know what i mean because again you're reading it and you're just thinking like it's just chaos like nobody invents something this organic feeling you know what i mean yeah i will get right into blood meridian Mm. at some point and i will let you know my do 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 about it. i'm sure it's great it is. okay so to get back to battles without honor and humanity just to go we'll try to go through the story blow by blow here but my god it's just a series of yeah yeah we'll miss murdered. we'll miss bits here but uh, the All opening right, so, is, qu- is quite stirring yeah so the film starts in this in the city of kure in 1946 so this city was heavily bombed by the allies in july 1945 a month before the atom bomb was dropped on hiroshima this neighboring city of kure was had been about 40 percent of the city had been bombed just with like regular firebombing so it starts in 1946 just the just the year after and it's fairly brutal already because 
at the start, you've got the attempted rape of a Japanese lady Very by、public. U.S. soldiers, which I thought was interesting because in my time living in Tokyo, it was always very controversial in terms of how the Japanese dealt with the Second World War and war crimes by American soldiers. Oh, their soldiers. Okay, okay. <laughs> by their soldiers, not war crimes by the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, although that might be a bit more relevant these days, but no, there, there was a lot of war crimes that had been perpetrated by Japanese soldiers hadn't really been dealt with, and the Japanese were unwilling to take responsibility for some of those actions. So it's just interesting for me to see something in the 1970s that was basically suggesting that the U.S. were just doing well. Just to like, I I don't know.、Um, for me, I always. Obviously, this, Wait, I, I'm guessing this probably happened, though. If if this was in,、uh, I'm sure incidents like it happened. Yeah,、uh, considering Kozo, if you, in Kozo Mino's、uh, biography that he wrote. Yeah,、uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, in formal, like a great deal of the writing, but、uh, yeah, I like immediately. I mean, it's very arresting, just because for, I don't know why, but for some reason, gritty '70s thrillers, I just wouldn't have. I've never seen a Japanese film that felt like the French Connection so much. And that immediately, because、yeah. like one thing that I love is when you're getting what feel like authentic locations、uh, in films from the like seventies or the sixties. Like I don't know, in the opening of William Friedkin's Sorcerer, there's a, a part in Tel Aviv, and I'm just like, ah,、oh, there's fucking Tel Aviv in the seventies. And right here, I don't. I, even though, fair enough. That was supposed to be the forties. I get that, but it just—I was immediately like, "Wow, that feels like that feels like a real place." And of course, William William Friedkin loves this film. He's yeah.、Fan. I watched an interview with him all about it. So it's not a surprise that he would gravitate towards something like this, where the director Kinji Fukasaku was interested in using handheld cameras、mm. and getting in, getting in dirty and up close. And then there's a lot of zoom zooming in. Which is quite typical of the Japanese film style, anyway. Anyway, I so, must ask.、Okay. Yeah, did you yeah. did you <laughs> did you follow what happened in the opening ten minutes? I don't.、Uh, so there's a couple of characters. I, I of both films that we saw this week, which were both by the same director.、Mm. The most gruesome imagery I can think of is the two guys having their arms severed,、uh, having their arms chopped off at the start. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that was the most gruesome thing. Of someone just having their arm held out and then sliced off at the shoulder. Yeah. So like, but, well, I, but they were. I'd have to go back and watch it. But I'm assuming that one of those was one of the people who turns up later and joins the Yamamori family, Toru Ueda. Well, that's it. We're getting introduced to people left, right, and center. And... Yeah, and it tells us their future role within the family. It's like future captain, future <sighs> underboss. Yeah, I don't know. So, like, what happens is then there, there's an attempted rape that some people stop. I think one of them is our main guy. You know, Shozo, Shozo Hirono. Yeah, Hirono is one of the people who stops it. And then I don't know what happens next. They all、uh, basically. So basically, what happens is that later,、uh, slightly later on, there's a guy called Shinichi Yamagata who gets assaulted by a sword-wielding yakuza guy who's a boss of another family.、Mm-hmm. And then Shozo and a bunch of his mates go over to see that、uh, yakuza guy with the sword, and Shozo shoots him. Yes, that's right. And, and his then gu- his sent, gun doesn't work for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, his gun doesn't work, and then 
but it is a, a nice uh, precursor to the whole uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, scene. yeah, indeed. But uh, no, I just like that as a little touch. It reminded me of like Harvey Keitel not being able to get his lighter working in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, what, what do you think of the gunfire in this film as a whole? It's a lot better than in The Killing. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. I was actually, that's why I was asking the question. You can kind of... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The evolution more realistic. Is, yeah, yeah, it's not quite there yet, or at least not quite where yeah. it used to. I actually don't know what handguns sound like. They might sound like the killing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's certainly, it certainly. But also, it was kind of on the John Woo side a lot of the time. It's like, wow, you guys just not running out of ammo there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was shoot, quite a few. Shoot forever. There's a few moments of that, definitely. Anyway, yeah. So Hirono gets so he goes to, gets to prison, the can. and so when he's in jail, he his uh, his cellmate is a guy from the Doi Doi family. A guy called Hiroshi Wakasugi. And Wakasugi decides that he's going to commit... It's not seppuku. Seppuku, I think, is suicide. suicide. So harikiri. Harikiri. And so he decides to slice open his, his stomach so that the guards will come and basically take him to the hospital. He'll get out if he if he is about to die. So Wakasugi does that. And that, again, that's yeah. another extremely Oof. graphic scene. He puts the sword and, and tears open his guts. All right. uh, while Shozo starts calling for the guards to come. Back in the, like, when you watch films from back in the day that feature a lot of blood, it's often, like, instantaneously you note, oh, they weren't quite there with the fake blood yeah, there. Yeah, there's a lot of jam. It's, it's, uh, but bit, it's I have quite, to it's say, quite red painty. In this, in this film, just by that point, by that point when he did, uh, commits um, Harikari in the solitary confinement, I'm actually glad they haven't got there with the fake blood yet, man. <laughs> It was, that, uh, this is is an extremely brutal start to a film. The whole thing is everything so far is yeah yeah yeah. It's just it doesn't stop. It's unrelenting. Uh, mm. So yeah, then and then he it's um, so Hirono's Wak- job to Wakasugi. Well, Wakas yeah. So Hirono has to shout for the guards. Wakasugi gets a, gets released, and then Wakasugi gets Yoshio Yamamori of the Yamamori family to put up Shozo's bail. Shozo Hirono gets gets bailed out, and then basically he takes a bunch of his friends, and then they join the Yamamori family. So they have a big witnessing ceremony where they all sip, sip little cups of sake and uh they create their mafia family is sake nice i don't think i've ever had it don't start uh, <laughs> don't start <laughs> fantasizing about the taste of different I drinks i would say it's you can have it hot or cold it's just rice wine so it's just a wine that tastes a bit like rice ricey tastes like rice no, no, no! I won't or anything. I was just—I uh, just realized when you said that it's like oh, I've never fucking. People are always going on no, about I, it in I, this. I, and... I personally never liked it. It was never. I was never a fan. Ah, right. Yeah. It, it, all my experience of it is just watching Akira Kurosawa movies with samurais just getting drunk. I'm just looking at it, going, "My God, that stuff must be like absinthe." Although, mm, like, yeah, back it's not in that the, strong. Back in the day, nobody gets uh, subtly drunk in movies. Mm. You're, ju- you're just hammered after a drop, and that's that. Okay, so then he gets released. And then i got to say, man, this, because I know what happens next, but it just, this really brings to bear the point that, okay, they, so they call it the Japanese Godfather. It's cl- like, it's much closer to the likes of, like, Goodfellas or, no, less so Goodfellas, even City of God or Gomorrah, in that they're all gangsters and everything, but nobody gets a moment to smell the roses. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, it's post-war Japan in a relatively poor area. It might it would be different if it was a bit more 
affluent place and this was like this would have been quite a rough place anyway so it's not really a surprise that things were this shitty like rio de janeiro or uh the i mean the, it's slightly the better than there but yeah <laughs> but i mean look, but it's like i mean no- it was rough it must have been brutal it was in 1946 the scenes that they show are fairly awful Oh my God! Yeah, we'll get. No to one what, has the, anything. My what I think to be the most brutal death comes later on, but I mean, yeah, it's unrelenting. And like the closest that we get to see them having a tiny bit of downtime is yeah that scene where they join officially join the yakuza, and then the next one, which sets off the action for the rest so of the movie by not ending so well. The next thing that happens yeah. three years later, Hirono's gambling at this club, and he gets into a fight with uh, a one-armed man called Richard Kimball, <laughs> called Toru Ueda, because they're they're at this gambling den and basically this guy Toru seems like a bit of a knob but he has got one arm he's got an arm off so it's fair enough that he's a bit a bit arsy I didn't um, notice get, that he had no arm yeah <laughs> he does he I that's the that's first thing I noticed because I thought like I think I was still thinking about the fact that I'd witnessed two people having their arms chopped off I know oh, I think it's so. one guy guess who gets both his arms oh, yeah yeah both his arms no. chopped off no, because I, I, I need to go back and watch it, but I'm fairly sure that one of them is this guy, Ueda. Okay, go on anyway. So anyway, uh, Ueda turns out is a blood relative of this guy called Kenichi Okubo, who was a powerful gangster who oversaw the ceremony that swore the Yamamori family into existence. Mm. So Ueda, the guy, the one-armed man guy who was a bit of an arse, uh, is a relative of this big head honcho guy. So Shozo decides that he, he decides to commit yubitsumi, which is to chop your finger off. So he does the classic chopping his pinky off routine to yeah. apologize. That's a Seems nice little, a little scene over the top. Where, um, that's where, around the time, actually, where we get to introduce to Yamamori and Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Um, and, oh, yeah, God, Yamamori. Can we just address this? What? Another sniveling dick. What's you know? with him? He's such a little... How is he the boss? <laughs> All these cunts are harder I know, than but him, clearly. I think that, but that's something about Japanese culture that you need to appreciate, that that's how companies function there. It's seniority, and you never go against your own boss. That's why there's a whole element, like there's a whole part of the film Mm. where Wakasugi wants to whack his boss because he's from another, he's from the Doi family. He mm. wants to kill his boss, but you, you uh, just can't yes, do that. Yes, 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 yes. Like, it doesn't and, and, matter. And, Even if you're justified, you, you can't do that because the shame would be Yeah, but at, at no humongous. point do any of these, uh, because, okay, just to address it. So Yamamori is just the whole time crying. He's just crying yes, all the he's time. absolutely sniveling. In front, of, in front of all, like Tony Soprano couldn't get, like, do, do you remember what happens, what Don but, Corleone but does to Johnny Fontaine when he starts crying? You can yeah, act that, like a man. <laughs> But that, but that's a cultural thing, like because that's how I view it at the time. The whole time I'm thinking, like, why don't you just go over and shoot that guy in the head? Like, who cares? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It does. It doesn't work like that there. Fair enough. These were men who lived by rules. And then, sure, yeah, seniority. Like, Lady Lady Macbeth is just calling the shots. Shozo's asking, "How do I? How do I do it? How do I chop my finger off?" That's and a very like, nice oh. little scene. And she's like, "Oh, I saw someone do it in Osaka one time." I, I know how to do it. You need to just slice down firmly one time, chop, all gone. It reminded me of... Um, I really dislike her. I do not like her at all. She is my least favorite character. Well, I think that's... Yeah, that's why she's there. That, oh, I fell in, into in their an, trap. They baited an, me. In an odd re- reference there, that it, it instantly put me to mind when she said, I saw it once in Osaka. It made me think of... 
when Morgan Freeman helps Little John's wife give birth in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and he goes, uh, I've seen it many times with horses. <laughs> it's Sorry, that's just one of those movies I had on videotape. I've seen that. Nice. More, I, haven't, I haven't watched that in a while. I've, I've seen that more see times than, than I'll watch most other films in the rest of my life. That's probably right, true. Right. Definitely 20s, 30s, that kind of thing. Anyway, yeah, the the way she describes how to do it as well, it actually makes you feel it more, if you get me. Like to, to, she says, to add the pressure as you're breathing out when you're chopping off your (laughs) finger. And then it turns out that Okubu didn't need the finger. Nope, he didn't. Well, he was like, he's like, oh, you're too kind. That's too much. I mean, with this finger, you are spoiling us. Yeah, pretty much. It's a little too much. And then he says, look, Ueda's a bit of a pussbag. Um, why don't you take him into your family take and him, toughen yeah, him take up? Him, yeah, tell this. And then Toru Ueda says, uh, uh, I look forward to your guidance. Please make me a man. I'm pretty sure he's one of the guys from the start. And he's already had his arm chopped off. It seems like he's, he's surely he's proven himself by having an arm off. Isn't that enough to just be like, look, I'm, I'm hardcore? Or it just means you're an Egypt gangster. Well, there's that too. Like that's it's one of the one of the things I love about Donnie Brasco is sure you, I watched you, that not that long ago. It definitely doesn't look like everybody who's in a gang is living at large, you know. Al Pacino's character in that lives like a bum practically. I mean, there's no glamour mm. to to the way he's living. He's just a low level mob guy, and like Ueda, who might be somebody's son, but yeah, he's lost an arm already, and he still hasn't learned not to act the dick. That's one thing, despite the fact that. Okay, I, it might be down to the actor they cast, despite the fact that everybody, they're trying to portray them as just these backstabbing fiends. There are two guys like Hirono and um, uh, Wakasugi who just, yeah, they stand out as maybe the old guard, let's say, from the previous type of Yakuza movie, like, I don't know, chivalry and, and shit. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, they, they have honor. They're, those, they're the two kind of main honorable guys that live by a certain code. So then the, this, they got on so, to their only bit of actual Yakuza business. So Okubo forces, well, he doesn't force, but he strongly recommends that they perform a favor of taking away. They had to kidnap a politician over a political dis- dispute about the spending of public resources. They kidnap one of the politician's allies, allowing the other side to win. And it gets a little bit complicated. <laughs> yeah. It's already extremely complicated. So, basically, so many names. Point, yeah, there's so many names of different people. So basically, one guy is accused. Well, he's this guy called Kambara is oh, bragging about Kambara. what happened. He's out drinking and he's bragging about what happened. Then he gets the shit kicked out of them by the Doi family. Then they go after the Doi family. Doi goes after Yamamori, who Yamamori, who's the sniveling boss of Shozo Hirono's family. Mm. However, Wakasugi, the cool guy, Wakasugi, the guy who sliced himself up in the prison, who's pretty hard and seems we like, like a him. decent guy. Yeah, he stops. He uh, prevents bloodshed by offering to serve as a guest member of the Yamamori family. Doesn't he point a gun at his boss as well? He does. yeah. Which, yeah. And then Kambara, who betrayed the Yamamori family, takes Wakasugi's place and joins the Doi family. So they do a bit of a transfer. I, I've switch seen, Kambara and Wakasugi switch places. I've seen that be, this before in like mob fiction and stuff. I can't think of an example now. But I mean, why do other families take on rats like Kambara? 
You know what I mean? I guess it, maybe they had a limited pool to choose from. Yeah, there so are, t- yeah, it does. It does feel like a lot of mob films have these characters. And this again is. I don't know how accurate this film is, but I get the feeling it is fairly accurate. It seems to be pretty accurate. I've, I've read like um, the writer of the film, whose name I have here, hold on, Kazuo Kasahara, like specifically yeah. said he could handle the events that happened in Kure, but that that went on later on in the decade in, Hirosh- in Hiroshima was too complicated to depict on camera and the studio tended to agree. So that tells you that, yeah, not not only like were they trying to adhere to reality, but that these events are considered less complicated ones. Yeah. And it's so difficult to to keep track of them. But ultimately, thankfully, I think after, particularly after this incident with the politician, because like once that sort of happened and there was the little switcheroo with Canberra, who we had actually just been introduced to, and all of a sudden he was an important character and then there was guns pointed here, there and everything. At that point, it kind of dawned on me, Oh, the the plot really ain't too important here. Yeah, I'm I mean, like, just to, we'll just go point by point through just a mm. couple more things because there's so much here. But six months later, Hirono wants to. So the the Yamamori family want to kill Doi, the the boss of the the Doi family. So Hirono goes to Hiroshima and he stays with this other Yakuza family called the Kaito family. And Wakasugi wants to kill Doi, his former boss or his boss, but he's he's a guest of the Yamamori family. So mm. he wants to kill Doi, but eventually it's Hirono that, that ends up doing it. So Hirono volunteers, oh, yeah, that's a great to, scene. He volunteers to execute a hit on Doi, but it's a bit chaotic. I have no idea how... So he kind of runs up to him and shoots him outside of the house and then runs away while he's being chased by like Doi's goons. Mm. <laughs> he, who never he, catch he runs, him he, run, he runs after Dai and shoots him about 10 more times that does that is a similar point to you were saying before of like never running out of bullets yeah yeah he has yeah. a lot of he fired he shoots him about 10 times and still doesn't get caught uh, yeah. even though he's like running away through the rain which and is impressive Doi uh, seems to not be killed by all the bullets no he stays alive yeah he, yeah uh, he survives for a bit yeah, that's mad. But I, I just, I quite liked that. It was like it, the the scene where Doi sees Hirono is like like they ran into each other in a hostel or something. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, so they're in the they're in Kaito's house. It's yeah. like this big yakuza guy's house, and the uh, Doi sees uh, Shozo and is like, "Oh, you're here. Nice hey, to see you." Hey, Hirono, what's Not thinking up? they might immediately execute. Yeah, don't never accept the presence of a random mobster. You know what I mean? Nah. Uh, yeah, but I actually quite like that, that chase scene and it's all rainy and shit. I thought that was pretty cool. And then, well, so Hirono, Shozo Hirono's hiding out and Kambara comes to visit him and says that Yamamori has a plan to sneak him out of the city. Kambara takes Hirono in a truck, drives him through a tunnel and then jumps out of the truck and runs away. Yeah, man. Why are you and trusting Kambara? Like, yeah, is the, th- is the thing. Yeah, face. I don't know. It's... It's just like, there's no reason to be trusting this He's got fool. like a jackal or a hyena face. Do, I never really... I, and that's I, facts. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but I just, like, that was one thing I thought, Hirono, come on, buddy. Why, why would you trust this? And he's just showing up to help, even though he's banned from the family. What are you talking about? What? Mm, so, no way. So then Hirono turns himself in for murdering Doi. 
And then Wakasugi kills Kambara in revenge. He walks up to Kambara in the street oh, yeah. on the bench and shoots him. Again, quite a gruesome kill. It's a headshot. Yeah, and then an anonymous tip to the police leads them to Wakasugi's girlfriend's house where Wakasugi is hiding out. Oh, yeah, that's that's probably... I'd say that's probably, out of everything, that's the best... Maybe the second best executed bit of violence in the movie where he's shot out the window. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, there's, that's really there's well a good, he's hiding with three kids sleeping, he's like under the covers and then a cop comes in and lifts up the blanket and immediately Wakasuki just murders him, <laughs> yeah, shoots yeah. him and then shoots another bunch of people and then jumps out of a window and dies. And then they, sh- they sh- yeah, yeah, glorious for all the like, because that's one thing is like with them, particularly with older Japanese movies, there were there were a lot of them about just really steady compositions, and oftentimes the it's either like wide shots that people walk through or tight compositions, and people will walk in and out of the shot as though it's a scene mm. or something like that. But this is just chaotic editing and cutting together and i don't know especially considering the small paper house that it's all shot in i just, like for, yeah, i, I was just really impressed by how well they put together that scene i mean he, like from him being shot to falling throughout along the roof and then down on the ground to die i thought that was really really well done especially since the whole thing was shot in about 30 to 40 days yeah, I mean, the, it's crazy. The, the five films were shot over a year, basically. Yeah, they were just churning out films. Yeah, it took only 35 to 40 days to, to film the whole thing. I mean, it's just madness. It's madness how how he was making films at this point. Yeah, it, 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 well, I mean, it, it just goes to show that it, it, it can be done like that. And yeah, you, you actually... well, it certainly could, it could be done back then. I don't know, I guess even now. For I imagine there wasn't much of a union. Or laws that had to be followed. I think he was shooting at three o'clock in the morning. He was doing a lot of twenty-four hour. Yeah, apparently, I read that his setups in the morning. He didn't work in the morning. He didn't. He would mm. just nap. He would nap while they were setting up shots, and then he would start taking. He would start doing takes like in the late afternoon. But he did his his best work around two or three in the morning. So it must have been brutal. They were just doing like <laughs> yeah. they were doing like they're just doing like normal Japanese working hours, but for film. Yeah, when you just even consider that that part where Wakasugi like basically back tumbles out the window like a stunt guy surely had to do that a few times. Yeah, because that's one of the because actually you can spot that in Hollywood around that time or at least in five years beforehand maybe that falling out the window fifty fifty it's it's a dummy and you can always yeah. tell when it's a dummy. Yeah, it was, or uh, else it's like a sheet of paper that someone has dropped like uh, in point blank. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, uh, no, for sure, that's a real live guy falling down there. Um, yeah. So this is so this is basically this is as close to an act break as you're going to get in a film like this. So after yeah, this, it jumps forward into the 1950s. So they introduce the idea that meth is really big at this time because meth it's a Japanese invention. It was invented in 1919 and it was used a lot in the Second World War, especially by like Japanese pilots. Hence the kamikaze nature of what they were doing so a lot of shooting up which seems like a fairly bad idea yeah and so the, so the yakuza families at that time were basically trying to get into that drug trade which is mad for me as someone who's as i say has lived in japan because they are certainly not on board with drugs anymore even in like poorer areas or where people are kind of in like a social underclass there's still really, nothing like... of this anymore 
How do you mean exactly? I'm, I'm very interested to hear in that. Which, in which part? What, well, what, I mean, like, for mean? example, if you hang around, for, I live in Barcelona, if you hang around Barcelona long enough, you'll just run into drugs. That's if you just stand in the same place for long enough, you will encounter them. Penalties are extremely harsh. So nobody smokes exactly. weed or, or anything like that. It's, ex- it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare because I think even for weed, you would be looking at and I've also heard Mul- it's multiple years jail time just for something small. And it's a very boozy culture, I understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, you you see a lot of homeless people who drink. Uh, people drink heavily. Mm. I've, heard, no, but... I've, heard, I've heard that too. I heard that from Anthony Bourdain in an interview one time. Yeah. That they're mad boozy he, on, he on a Saturday night. Sure, definitely. You know, you go out drinking with the company with your boss. Mm. You're not supposed to go home first. You're supposed to wait until until your boss decides to go home. So like people just get absolutely fucking leathered. There's a good Instagram account called Shibuya Meltdown where people post videos of drunk salarymen, average working Japanese business guy sleeping face down on the pavement. A good in Instagram account, which we will include a link to in the oh, description yeah, of the episode. Shibuya Meltdown, I'll stick it on there. It's classic. Sweet as, sweet as. So, all right, we're in meth, the meth period We're in, we're now. in meth town. We're in mm-hmm. that time. So this is during the Korean War. The Yamamori family is making a lot of money from war contracts, and they're starting to deal, uh, starting to deal meth and taking high high kickbacks. Uh, yeah, but they're not supposed to be, are they? Or at least that's what the no. Well, pussy boss so this says. is where it starts getting very confusing, or it's confusing yes. to explain in terms this of this particular like, scene is where the confusion yeah. starts. The living room scene where the There's rules a few are guys with. There's a guy called Sakai and there's a guy called Shinkai. <laughs> Who it seems that we're supposed to have known from the start, but the only people I knew were Yamamori, his wife, Hirono, betraying cunt, whose name I won't mention because I can't remember it, Kambara, Kambara, and Waka... Well, wa- so Sakai, Sakai is the guy who you should remember, Tetsuya Sakai. He's the guy who wears sunglasses. And right from the start, he's mm. wearing sunglasses. Wearing sunglasses is like, that's like the most typical trait, apart from tattoos. Mm. In films and TV, that's how they show this person is a, is a gangster, is wearing sunglasses. So it was always very funny for me when I used to wear sunglasses uh, nice. when, I was living, when I was living there. And so, yeah, you should recognize that guy, Sakai, because he's, apart from, so, apart from Wakasugi, who's obviously like Shozo, one of Shozo's good mates, I mm. mean, they're, they're, they're blood brothers. Sakai's like Sakai is like his literally drank each other's blood in in prison. Go on. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Forgot they they've feasted on each other's blood. Mm. Yeah, Sakai is his other best mate, and he's another member of the Yamamori family. And then there's this other chap, Arita Shinkai. Yeah, Arita, 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 (laughs) Toshio Arita. Uh, yeah, but he's a new character, right? He is Shinkai's right hand man, but he yeah, he's he's not really he's not introduced as like a family member or anything like that. He's just like some little guy that's working for Shinkai, and Shinkai is just another member of the Amamori family. Okay, so he's this is what I confusing. this is what I recall of this living room scene. Now, confirm or deny me this. So Sakai basically suggests. So they're all out gathered around in um, Pussy Yamamori's Yama, 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 and Yama Lady Macbeth's house. house. Yeah. And Sakai is saying, look, boys, we can get involved in the drugs, but Yamamori, you're taking way too much money. You're taking way too much of a cut. Uh, We need a bigger cut. And then Yamamori starts crying. Yeah, he says, I got no money. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) something like that. Poor me. 
oh my god, why don't they just slap this guy into next week? Although they start to get to that soon enough, thank god. Yeah. But then Shinkai says... Shinkai and Yano, another guy yes, in the family, that's the guy, Yano, support, the They support Yamamori. Yeah, yeah, they said, no, 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 let's, I want him to have a big high take, but then it comes out that they're all in cahoots, the sons of bitches. Yeah, and they're selling drugs, they're selling this meth on the side. Awful stuff. Surreptitiously. Yeah, it's, it's very Moorish. So. Uh, and how, did, how does Sakai find that out again? It's reveal- It just says, it's re- I'm reading the plot summary, it's revealed mm. that Yamamori is selling the drugs he confiscates from the other members for himself. Sakai and Ueda threaten him. Yeah, they, they, they basically go to his house and tell him, look, you fucking pussy. I don't know. I don't remember how they find out. But anyway, yeah, they find out. That's, Sakai seems like a far more modern gangster at that point because he's, he's starting to question, like, why the fuck are we doing this? Like, why are we living in shit and just making money for our boss just because he's our boss? But, but that type of thinking is not very Japanese. It's like that's breaking the system. So even, as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, this is not going to end well for him. Because really? you're, not, you're, not, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, something that seems fairly normal. Because like I to just overthrow thought. your sniveling boss is just not allowed. I suppose, yeah, because they, I, I mean, you're there thinking this is definitely based on something real that has happened and you have lived there. Whereas I have only watched movies. So I was thinking, yeah. oh, they're going to overthrow the yeah, boss. Movies, this guy, yeah, because the boss is a twat. Then we get a war, basically. Yeah, so Arita, Yamamori gets Arita to kill Ueda, the one-armed man, when he's in a barbershop. Uh, there's a bit of a conflict. Shinkai's men and remaining Doi family members are killed off. Arita a, gets arrested. A, a very violent montage. Yeah, and Shinkai gets stabbed to death as he's about to board a train. That, for me, was the most violent one in the movie. Yeah, stabbing is always fairly brutal. Not like the old-school stabbings that we've discussed before of the... You don't even really notice the knife. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, that's, that's not how Fukosaku does it. He shows... Yeah, this violence. one was, was really brutal. Particularly, like, it's in public. It feels like it's in public. It's at a train station. And it's done by guys dressed like police. So, yeah, I, I, that, I thought... And that particular, that montage, it's just brutality. I mean, they, like, I think Fukusaku and Scorsese were going through some parallel thinking around these years. Because it's ju- it's just very much in that style of a Scorsese violent montage, do you know. I'm not sure about in terms of how F- Fukusaku chose to film it, but mm. obviously he's showing events that actually happened. So apparently there happen? were a lot. Yeah, there were a lot of yakuza guys on set the whole time because they just because they were filming in these yakuza neighborhoods, even if it's you know twenty five years later after the stuff happened. So there were actual later, boys around yeah, advising tons, Fukusaku. Tons of them. Yeah, Jesus. Ad- advising everyone, advising the actors of how they should act. One of the actors, the main guy, the guy who plays Shozo Hirono Bunta Sugawara, mm. he said. I think it was him that said, like, he feels sorry for for modern actors who are acting in these Yakuza gangster films because they had the real guys around the whole time telling them, oh, no, this, that, that, that's not how we would do that. Like, this, that's mad. This is, this is what happened and this is how we did it. Have they ever, just came around. Have you ever seen that documentary, um, The Act of Killing? Yes. That's, that's I think exactly it was, like it's that. It probably is like that, basically. 
you had these older guys that were just killers who were coming around going like, no, nah, that's not how I killed them. I did it like this. Yeah. 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 Killing. I mean, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they're like hanging out on the set of battles without honor or humanity yeah. acted as a form of therapy for other Yakuza's. Maybe they let's cried. Hope so. Let's hope maybe. they cried. Yeah. Let's hope they cried. A lot maybe they cried and craft surf in craft services into their coffee. And that's why they were wearing the sunglasses to hide the tears. That's it. That's, this is that's it. why Yakuza wear sunglasses. Anyway, it's yeah, that violent ass stabbing at the train station. Uh, Jesus is brutal. Shozo Hirono gets paroled. His sentence is commuted. Yamamori, sniveling Yamamori man, had previously promised Hirono that he would give up his empire and give, a, give him the, the entire business and make him head of the family. That was one. That was what Yamamori had said he was going to do if Hirono killed the That's boss. That's right. If he Doi killed the Doi's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doi, the Doi. But it turns out Yamamori, not the most trustworthy of gentlemen because basically he was full of shit and it just lied because he's a dick. Yeah, pretty much. He gives him something to spend for the weekend, which turns out to not be much. Yeah, he can't even do anything with it. It's like he can't go out and have the crack. Or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like a hundred quid or something. Doesn't he gave him fuck all? Yeah, he does. And yeah, your man said, like his his mate says, "Oh, we can't have the crack with that." What are you talking about? What does he get him to do? He he tries to get Hirono to kill Sakai, his mate Sakai, but Hirono goes and listens to Sakai first, and Sakai Uh, decides. Yeah, and instead he tells him to make peace, and and then Sakai forces Yamamori to retire. Yes, is is this when like so Hirono goes to. See Sakai, and Sakai is living with Wakasugi's uh, yeah. missus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. And then they kind of have a brotherly heart-to-heart almost. Yeah, because they're mates. Yeah. They're good mates. It's, it sort of reminded me of the end of the Basketball Diaries. when. Uh, well, Marky my only Mark... memory of that is Leonardo DiCaprio masturbating on a roof. I mean, yeah, well, I suppose that's all you need, really. But no, there's a scene at the end of it where Marky Mark tries to break into a shop because he's a junkie and uh, Leo's working there, I think. And, uh, you know, so far they've come, etc. But that's not quite like that here because uh, these two boys it's probably, are still... It's probably just, it's just as well that Marky Mark wasn't in this film, given his, his history with uh, Asians. Oh, yeah, that's right. He would, yeah, he he would re- not have fit in well here. He really, I mean, he really, would've, he would have, he would have been a great asset to one of the families. He really dislikes them. them, but I think he's he his thing was with Vietnamese guy, wasn't it? It was, it was a, yeah. So maybe he's a good big fan of the Japanese. Who knows? Maybe yeah, I mean, he beat the shit out of a Vietnamese guy, but he apologized to him when he was famous. So that's got to be nice. That's fine. <laughs> that's if you blind someone and say sorry. I think the saying goes. Well, then everyone you, are it his friends. It doesn't really count unless you get famous first. That's the thing. That's true. That's the important thing to bear in mind. Exactly. Um, so the rest of the film is, God, it's just a clusterfuck of Yamamori retires. He has his big company. But then it looks like Yano, the mustachio dude, is trying to get the Kaito family from Hiroshima to... There's a lot of fuckery going just on. There's this of guy, Makihara. Even though Yamamori's retired, he's still involved in Yakuza stuff. And at the end, when we get to the end... Hirono goes to see Sakai and they renounce their brotherhood and they vow to kill each other. 
but Sakai lets Hirono leave, and yeah. then straight away Sakai gets murdered by assassins who were sent by this dude Mak- Makihara. And then Hirono shows up at the funeral and the funeral, shoots... which is nice. That's a classy move. He walks up, yeah, and shoots the funeral arrangement. Yeah, and all the all the bosses are like, "Oh, I cannot believe you're uh, doing this." Um, which and... is that's an accurate depiction of what they said, indeed. Yeah. Translated exactly. into English, and then it ends, and then you're thinking, okay, based on the way it ended. Oh, but I... but no, but yeah, but the the best part of that is that Yamamori says to Shozo, "How dare you do this?" And then he turns around and goes, "I've still got more bullets left." <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh the yeah, end. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's, he's, he's got... like he threatens to kill uh, Yamamori and then storms off. Yeah, man. So I I really enjoyed this one. The plot is a tough one to follow. For sure. Yeah. Um, But mainly I'm like just really taken in by, I mean, it's basically, and it can be summed up in the interview with Friedkin if you watch it, but it's it's like watching a Friedkin film in Japan. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how it's thought of and that's how it's talked about. It's gritty, real, documentary style, visceral filmmaking of the 70s school. Yeah, and like the environments are so composed and everything that you can just wander around them in a documentary fashion. What did you think of the sex scene in the middle? I thought that was a, a very nice tattoo. I was extremely jealous. I'd like a big uh, back a, tattoo. A big Yakuza fish tattoo. Yeah, um, and then to just be sprawled on top of a lady <laughs> yeah. in a really awkward position because they have to show off the tattoo. They're yeah. like, we need, to, we need to see all of this guy's back tattoo. And then she's Let's going, like she's going, uh, slow down, that hurts. And then he's going, I have <laughs> Don't no have time. time. <laughs> I have no time. <laughs> he Literally have time. no time. The poor old fella. I mean, he I, just... would, I would like to see this dubbed into English in a German accent. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I would like to view this film. He's so selfless. He just, he almost doesn't fit in with the other Yakuza's. Well, he was a nice guy, but bear in mind, he is the stand-in for the writer, the, the guy who wrote the newspaper, the Kozo, Kozo Mino, who, not who wrote the newspaper article. He wrote the book. When he was in prison, he wrote this like uh, manuscript mm. talking about all of his Yakuza life. So it's not surprising that this character is the hero of the story. That's it's like, fair. Hmm, you're the hero of your own story? That's unusual. Do would do you have any inkling to watch the other four battles without honor or humanity, the the other Yakuza papers? No, I'm fine. I got the, I got the idea. Oh really? I'm gonna give I'm certainly the, nah, the, well, yeah. the next you see, I, I looked into a little bit of what they're about and it doesn't just continue the Hirono story, you get um like the next one is about a hitman. So yeah, I'm, I know it's yeah, yeah, there's a few different things going on, but he's still I mean he features in I think all he features or most in all of, of the films. Yeah, he features yeah. in all of them. And so does uh, Yamamori. Uh, oh, wow. I think he's in a bunch of them as well. Spoilers. What, what are they going to do with that post get bag? whacked. Well, I'm going to... I'm, I am going to give them... <laughs> every time he was like that, I just have seen too, so many mafia films, that just took me out of the movie every time he was just crying like a little bitch. I was like, this is your boss, really? Like, yeah. come on. Well, I, every time he was doing it... Japan. I just wanted Marilyn Brando to grab him by the ears and tell him to act like a man. <laughs> That's nice. That's a good impression. I like it. Uh, you can act like a man. I'm gonna give the. I'm gonna give this other one a go. I might uh, catch up with you about it and let you know what I think whenever I get uh, back. I'm around gonna give to it. this three sushis out of my ranking. 
<laughs> out of uh seven tofu burgers i don't know <laughs> i don't know no i it's solid i liked it i liked it well enough again but i would i is it too much to ask for a traditional three-act structure i feel like that's something that i've grown accustomed to and fond of in my films i don't watch anything that's particularly experimental these days uh, from time to time three-act structure works let's yeah. just use it folks yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like. I, I'm with you um, there, totally. And what I would say is, like other things we've watched, I'm glad to have seen it. Probably won't watch it again. I'm. I am curious to see the second one. If the second one, if the second one is more of the same of this, without include, uh, introducing a slight more of a narrative, because this feels like it's basically setting up the world. And I'm only saying that because there's five films in the series and they were shot over a year. Yeah. So I feel like there's no reason that this might not just be one to establish the environment and then get to the real meat of the storyline after this. Because essentially, like, you could look at this as kind of, I don't know if you watch the John Wick movies, but this is... Uh, Hirono, I've only seen the first one. Hirono is uh, John Wick gone rogue, right. basically. I'd be interested to see where it goes. But of the of uh, Kinji Fukusaku's films, the mm. only one, the other one that I would really like to see is Under the Flag of the Rising Sun, which I was from don't 19, know about that. which is from 1972. He was just cranking them out. So he directed the Japanese parts of Tora 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 about the bombing of Pearl Harbor. It was supposed to I've be I've never Kurosawa. seen Tora Tora Tora. Never. It was originally Kurosawa, but he pulled out, so they brought in Kinji Fukasaku instead. And apparently it's really well filmed. People criticize the story, but say that the action scenes are really well filmed. But anyway, Fukasaku used the money from that to finance this other film called Under the Flag of the Rising Sun, which is about the wife of a Japanese soldier who's executed in the Second World War. And mm. years later, she's trying to find out what, what happened to him. So it's, it's a film that's fairly critical of the Japanese war effort and military in general. Well, yeah, that's uh, Which it, doesn't surprise me at all about Fukasaku. Yeah, if you read his, but the, but like, there's a, a backstory that he yeah. has. Uh, referred to both in reference to creating battles without honor humanity yeah. and our second and? film battle royale which i'll get i will get onto that story yeah, okay. in a little bit well no i mean we could do, we basically he worked in a munitions factory during the yeah. war and we can go into more of the details about how that affected his filmmaking later on but i'll uh, go ahead and intro intro battle royale so this was fukasaku's last film he had intended to film a sequel to it but then he died so yeah this was it's I don't know how you would describe it. It's a 2000, you could say post-apocalyptic film if you were feeling that way inclined, but it's not really. It's a, it's a, an action of its, kind of, of... Of its time, you could say that. Like, it now it feels fairly re reasonable and <laughs> it feels like, it feels like this could be happening somewhere at this point. If I was to put it, pop it into a genre, I'd almost say it's like a Roger Corman movie. I know that's not a genre, but you know what mm. I'm talking about. It's a bit of a B-movie, the setup and yeah. the execution. It was based on a novel that was of the same name, Battle Royale, released in 1999, so a year before the movie came out, written yeah. by Cushion Takami. This, this, so once the again, this turnaround on these is yeah, crazy. Chucking them out. Absolutely chucking them out. It hasn't, for me, it's got two notable cast members. It's got Takeshi Kitano. You yeah, can see him great. as the Zatoa she or more famously as the owner the proprietor of Takeshi's castle classic indeed and also then if you look out you can spot Gogo from Kill Bill is that one of the girls yeah she's the lady in the yellow jogging suit played by Chiaki oh, yeah. Kuriyami she's 
Gogo from the Kill Bill Kill films. Bill. Now, the the general setup for this is is based in a slight bit of the future where kids are running riot. Even though if you just peel away a few of the layers of the film, it's in. As a matter of fact, it seems to be the case that adults have stopped giving a shit. So kids have started to run riot. So the solution of this, kind of in a Jonathan Hyde inspired move, not really though, is to. Um, send them all to an island to kill each other last man standing and then you know the whole generation gets cured or woman the whole generation gets cured of being a pussy and uh, they emerge from the island more sure of themselves and ready to go it this must have come out years before the hunger games came out and yeah well uh what's her name suzanne collins who wrote Mm. the hunger games she claimed that she'd never heard of it at all she'd never heard of this film or the book battle, battle royale until after she'd uh, finished her first draft of that until she'd uh, handed in her draft of the uh, original hunger games i mean that's plausible because you and i we live in this world where you haven't heard of battle royale but i mean you know yeah loads of people haven't uh, i was actually just talking about battle royale today at lunch and to some people who had not heard of it so anyway yeah the setup is you got this one school of high school kids They haven't been to school in months except to stab their teacher, Takeshi. Uh, To try to slice his hamstring or something. Yeah, yeah. So Takeshi Kitano was this class's former teacher. We see him get stabbed and then he doesn't come back to school. Is he a PE teacher? He looks like a PE teacher. He's a massive PE teacher vibe. He does, yeah. And he's also doing PE teacher stuff near the end. And then the whole class is going on a school trip. They go into a tunnel, then they're all of a sudden unconscious and they wake up in this facility. They are this year's Battle Royale group. So it's this class of teenagers. They're supposed to be around 15 or 16 plus two exchange students who just look older and harder than the kids that are in the class. And then over the course of three days, we get to see the intense teenage romances play out. The grudgeries come up. The Fat nerdy guys Japanese get to final, finally have their day. Then the revenge of the nerds happens. It's all oh, yeah. very good. I mean, let's get let's get into it. Uh, first of all, yeah, you said you <clears> but <throat> you you buy this. You think that this could have happened? The B R Act. I saw this in the cinema. I don't know when, when did you first see this film. I suppose I would have been about sixteen or something. Yeah, because I've so I've, a few years after it came out. I but, seem to remember seeing this when it came out. I saw it in some art cinema, I think, in Newcastle at the time, where I was a uni student. That's interesting because I remember, like, I don't. It think was this, banned. Yeah, it didn't get a it didn't get a release straight away in the UK. I saw like a cinema. I saw a screening at a small art cinema. I think, but it was twenty years ago, and I'm struggling to remember. So they I'm may have just gotten the DVD because there was yeah. a lot of that going around with art cinemas back in the day. I'm fairly positive that that's how I originally saw it. I, I'm fairly positive I saw the it. The old cinema time. club in my Could town be wrong. worked exclusively in DVDs. So like, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the, when it came out, is the same year that the first series of Big Brother aired in the UK. So it was mm. like the first UK, UK series of that, which reality TV was a fairly new concept then. There wasn't really much going on at all. So I feel like the world is just, we've, we've moved on massively since then. Obviously, mm. there's tons of reality TV. The concept that something like this, it feels like a reality TV show almost. Yes. Um, in terms of what's, you, you could imagine this whole thing being broadcast and, and shown on TV in this, in this uh, 
you know, creepy world where children are being forced to murder each other. I, I mean, just feel like what, all, all I'm trying to on. say is I feel like at the time this was shocking mm. and I don't feel like it. Obviously, so many things have copied it since then. But like, yeah. I feel like culture has moved on to even obviously darker times, but darker places that, that there's nothing particularly shocking about this. No, it's not shocking. Honestly, anymore. It's one, not shocking anymore. One note that I made is it feels like just a bloodied up Spielberg film. It feels like the Goonies or something. Yeah. I genuinely yeah, all, mm-hmm. was blown away by that because, yeah, I do, rem- I do recall the controversy at the time. Yeah. And I do recall the idea because at the idea, at, at the time as well, it just as an idea, it was emerging culturally in Ireland and I don't know, maybe in Scotland too, that Asian films were crazy violent and just nuts. Right. Yeah, definitely. A, That's how it was sold. Um, as a culture, like, like it, the, this the, is the, mental. Yeah. The, the vengeance trilogy was happening around that time as mm. well. You'd get heaps of Korean movies that just all sorts of yeah. mental incestu- incestuous violence and, uh, oh boy, of course, yeah, yeah, famously. So the, the, that's how, kind of how this arrived. But now, in in the cold light of day, and particularly when compared to battles without honor or humanity, this is almost a heartfelt story. It yeah. is a heartfelt. It's a Spielberg story, and I don't think yeah. that that's by accident. Because the thing is, as well, I, I don't know when when did T- uh, Takeshi Miike's uh, audition came come out? Two thousand, same year. Same I can year. tell you, it's either ninety nine or two thousand. So, like Asian film, because this. Despite the fact that there's, there's plenty, okay, the fake blood had developed the right color uh, by this point, but at the same time, there's not really so much viscera or anything here. Some of the wounds were just quite clearly, you could see the, God, what are they called? Those packs that blow up. Uh, uh, squibs. You know, the, the, yeah, squibs. You could, you can see the squibs. Mm. I, I swear, under the, under the ripped clothing, you can see the squibs that they used. It doesn't feel that gruesome compared so, to what people are capable of 20 years later. I must, uh, I must ask before we jump into plot, did you watch the special edition or the original? The special edition. Me too. And I did feel like it was, I mean, it's only eight minutes of, of added scenes. Yeah, but, but when you look it up... Felt like it, was, it felt like it was eight minutes too many. Yes, when you look up the scenes that were added, they're, yeah, gar- they're garbage all the scenes. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Re- requiem. All the requiems. I don't need to see all of that shit. What? With three the requiems? Awful. Awful. Um, yeah, and there's... Take w- them out. Take them out. Those things were cut for a reason. Well, no, actually, this is a strange case of them being shot after the film had oh, been no released. Way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. Yeah, they were shot, they were oh shot and added. Yeah, but anyway... So, major recession. The Japanese government introduces the BRACT Act, the or the B BRACT BRACT. Sorry, it's the yes, the B or the Battle Royale Act to stop kids being such a bunch of cunts. Uh, when really, as is revealed by what? So we've got we're introduced to Shuya Nanahara, who's I think his mother leaves and then his dad commits suicide. Um, yeah. Which I mean, I feel like is kind of Fukusaku is is already sort of getting at his point. Might as well get back to the the point where he said he was inspired by his childhood working in a munitions factory because he references. I do have one question. Go on, please. Why did Nanahara's dad uh, commit suicide with his pants and his like his trousers around his ankles? <laughs> <laughs> What's that all about? He hung himself with his trousers around his ankles and he looked like he'd just been... A, he wrote out a massive message to his son on, on the toilet paper, roll. Which is basically just saying, you can do it. You can, you can do, do it, it son, yeah. by on like about 50 sheets of paper. 
Yeah, I think maybe it's to make it look more pathetic because despite, I guess it is pathetic. Despite the fact that Fukusaku was himself not only an adult but a rather old one by this point, he yeah. says that he had developed a distrust for adults uh, by yeah. working in a munitions factory during the war that would have gotten frequently uh, bombed and he was for like kids would cry would crawl over each other dying trying to get out and he said he developed this distrust for adults and that is all over this here because yeah particularly there's one girl we'll get to who would have been let down by her parents but i mean nanahara is severely like let down by his parents here and that that there's this kind of abandon him he he gets sent to what looks like a group home even though it looks like the most awesome pleasant group home ever the guy Uh, his 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 uh bunk mate the guy who's above him has got like 50 books on his bed, like little mango books that he's yeah, reading. Yeah. He's got I was just looking at this guitar. guy like, what's this all about? Yeah, they're sitting there. He's got, yeah, he's got an electric guitar mm. and he's got like, they've got all the stuff that they've ever wanted. Yeah. Crazy. It's a great looking group home. He went, for, he went from poverty to like the best house in the world. Anyway, in this class, in, in Nanahara's class in school, you've only got one kid still attending. This is uh, Noriko Nakagawa. Who's the only student attending attending the classes of poor old Mr. Kitano, who's got the same second name as the actor playing him. Yeah, surprising. Uh, and also just about him, the uh, Fukusaku just told him to just be yourself. Just act as you would as you would normally act. Just be yourself. He's a very he percent. Very established comedian, isn't he? Yeah. How much do you know about his act? Nothing. Okay, so he was in a double act. He was originally in a double act called uh, Two Beat. There was another guy called Kiyoshi who was called Beat Kiyoshi. He was the straight man. And then you've got Beat Takeshi as the funny man. And they were like, they were really, really popular because they, they were really risque. So they did this man's eye act, it's called, where you've got this kind of like fast, witty double act with tons of banter. But they were really controversial at the time because here from the Wikipedia, the, the targets of their jokes were often the socially vulnerable, including the elderly, the handicapped, the poor. Children, women, the ugly, and the stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds great. Yeah, these they would be crushing it nowadays. Oh my god, crushing gosh. it! That sounds great. Um, <laughs> I suppose he is kind of because he is kind of that. So we'll get to him eventually as well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But right at Sorry that po- at that point, throw that out. where he gets stabbed, and the only regularly attendant student witnesses it, witnesses it and keeps uh, the knife. Man, I've. Yeah. So when he shows up later in the barracks, I'm like, yeah, that must be awesome. Let's crack some of these kids. So anyway, a year after he gets stabbed, they're heading away on a school trip. And I think it's a Noriko has made cookies for Nanahara's best friend, basically, because she fancies him. And he fancies her and uh, it's all very nice. And they're, they're scoffing down cookies. And all of a sudden they go through this tunnel and everybody's asleep except Nanahara. And then the bus stewardess, let's say, is wearing a gas mask and she whacks him on the head. Yep. Fairly, again, a nice brutal strike to the head. She just whacks him on the head. In these films. Uh, the first few whacks to children's heads I kind of enjoyed. I feel like they had it coming. Maybe it's just my natural inclination because the the uniforms, but they just look like such posh twats. There are a couple of moments like where the girl gets really arsy with Mr. Kitano and like <laughs> screams at him like, you can't do that. Yeah. And then I think he just like lays her out basically. Which is yeah. Kind of funny. Just hits her a box. Oh no, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. 
And then, so then they, they're brought to, surrounded by soldiers and explained to by Kitano that they are going to be in the annual Battle Royale, which they're, ex- the whole deal is explained to them on a TV screen. Yeah, which but, uh, this, the, the video explains, have you guy, have you ever watched the Hunger Games? This is very <laughs> similar to that. And they're like, yay. So you got a, a cute little uh, Japanese Katniss, girl. Katniss, Katniss. With uh, k- some camouflage shorts on who explains to them what they have to get up to. At this point... Yeah, I su- super, super kawaii, super cute. Uh, yeah. Is that why? Is that how they say it in Japan? <laughs> Aww. Ne? What a wee cutie. And then the, that's, this is when they're introduced to their two foreign exchange students who, um, who just look like much more dangerous than anybody in the class. So during this, these boys rebel against Kitanu. And yeah, he, uh, A, just takes a great pleasure in whacking about a few of them. And then B, he explodes... One of them. That, that's a, It's a, ta- a Nanahara's best friend that he explodes, isn't it? Yeah, he's a bit of a dick as well, though. He is a bit of a dick. He seems like he'd be in a group home. It's <laughs> uh, just, just I, What's interesting is uh, the when the collars explode, they just cause a giant uh, gushing of blood from the person's neck. And it doesn't cause their head to explode or anything. Or to, you know, to sever the head from the person's shoulders. It's like, it just creates this, like, blood spray spray out mm. of their neck yes yeah, it's, 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 it's an it's, interesting choice it ju- well it just give, it lends more to the idea like to be honest it's slightly funnier i would be fine with kids watching this movie would you well nowadays yeah 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 I they've seen oh they would have seen so much worse nowadays game of thrones if you give someone access to the internet just imagine they've probably seen like real executions and stuff films at this point yeah Sure, who hasn't these days? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, everyone's provided with food, water, a map, uh, a map of the island, a compass, a torch, and a random weapon. Yeah, and some of the weapons are, uh, it's fair to say, shite. Even th- that was a very Spielbergy thing. Now, so our main guy Nanahara, his weapon is the lid of a pot, yeah, which of course, course he's he en- get a shite one, obviously. It, yeah. Of course, he ends up using it as well as a shield oh. at some point. So then, after the first, like Kitano just takes out two kids for just general disobedience and then people start hopping to the step and they realize what's going on of course as people are leaving they're like we'll always be friends but we know yeah. we're in for an entertaining movie we don't want them to all be friends um they're all they're they're all gonna die anyone who says anything like that they're the first ones to go and of course then we get treated to our first death it's the the fat kid just kind of ease us into the territory well actually no the fat kid kills a, a wee girl first yeah, he doesn't kills, he right yeah um, which is, yeah, yeah, in a cowardly move. Uh, yeah, he oh, he gets, gets a cool weapon, though, so yeah. Yeah, he fat, got, like, the, a crossbow. It's the good quality. The fat kid is the first guy to uh, be sent out, so he legs it out. And then the next That's person the we follow out is, yeah, uh, this, I think it's this, this, this wee girl, and she just gets hit in the neck with one of the fat kid's arrow. He's just turned. Right right through the neck, which yeah. is a, a good move. Good shot. Well done, son. Indeed, yeah. Uh, everyone's a good shot pretty instantly in this. Mm. They Everyone... seem very adept with a range of weaponry. Yeah. No one has problems firing guns. They're like, no, I know how a machine gun works. And then how they does... They know how to cock and fire pistols. How does the fat kid guns. die again? The other kid... This this is another problem with this film is there's a wide range. There's 40-something kids. Mm. And we there's see like all 40 the 40 kids. Yeah. In terms of placing who's who and what happens, you're like, oh my God. I mean... So I've got a, a good way... There's quite a lot of similarity. But so this... The, 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 uh, the, the tubby gets... Um, he's 
going to shoot this other boy who's come out and mm. then the boy takes the the boy ends up shooting him with that with uh, fatty's crossbow i think it was a bit cheap to of uh, fukusaku to have just a fat kid running for cheap laughs like that yeah well i mean that doesn't thinking about japanese culture going back to that there's not a lot of sympathy for anyone who's overweight because it's yeah unless you're a sumo you better be a sumo wrestler Otherwise, you're not going to get a lot of sympathy. Any road. So I've got a good way to run through this. So I'm, I'm going to outline a little bit of the, the plot, just a general arc. So what ends up happening is Nanahara and Noriko end up sort of palling Noriko. up together on the first night, going with the one of the exchange students that is not quite a psychopath and hatching Kawada. a plan. Kawada. the good guy. Yeah, Kawada. Kawada, that's right. Uh, hatching a plan to get everybody for everybody to get out together and then in between a whole bunch of deaths happen so let's just talk yep. about the deaths until we, they get to that point <laughs> please, please please remind me of some of these deaths i've just okay, had visions right, right. of m- multiple japanese teenagers being brutally murdered in a vast there's so i mean okay so there's there's the... quite a lot of different causes of death here Okay, right. So let's see. Uh, there's a bunch of suicides, which I thought was yep. uh, it was good going Very by. Uh, by uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was good going by uh, the 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 script there, because of course that would happen as well. That that. So then we've got a bunch of uh, murders committed by um, Mitsuko, Mitsuko Soma. Mits- Mitsuko, she's good. She's yeah, yeah, one she's of my, good. She's maybe a favorite character because she's there. instantly she instantly jumps into I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna kill everybody. Yeah, mode. yeah, she's a, yeah, she seems fairly. Seems like she didn't like people very much. Now, what's interesting about that is that I thought the only decent uh, special edition scene that was added. The only oh, one yeah. that I thought was worthwhile was her backstory. Yeah, it's a really creepy scene. And so and so that that wasn't it. I'd never seen that before. Yeah, so uh, what that is is um then later in the movie at some point we're given a flashback where it shows her arriving home and her alcoholic mother has received a large sum of money and then a dirty creepy man takes her upstairs names a doll after her, undresses the doll, yeah. and then encourages her to follow suit with the doll, and then she pushes him down the stairs, killing him. Um, and she looks fairly pleased at the it, result, which is fair enough that she yeah. just killed a big pedo that was trying to do nasty uh, things. It's a, it is a, it's a grim scene. Um, really, really, even in the... like, yeah, that's, it's that, rough. The whole way through, and we'll go through some more of the deaths now here as well, the whole way through, for me, the whole Spielberg vibe carries through down to the music. The music sounds like a John Williams score. It genuinely feels to me Do you like know, oh, the yeah, Goonies. It sounds like Star Wars. The, 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 there's certain elements of the, sco- the score that sound like they're basically, they've ripped off Star Wars. Yeah, it's... It there's, like, there's, one, there's one theme that's very much... A, there's a, one of the Star Wars themes. Like, do you think he was going to... Maybe it's just because I'm desensitized now that it plays like this to me. Was he going for a juxtaposition of the horrific and the grandiose, like the Spielberg-like stuff? Or was he trying to make a movie for kids? Because this... Maybe, maybe that's how desensitive I am. It feels like a kid's movie to me. It does. Maybe, but maybe that was of its time and place, though, because it was shocking. It was shocking at that time like i just things think about how much more access we have to information now of how the 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 internet is everywhere in a way Mm. that it wasn't in the year 2000 Mm. we've got access to information the things that we've we've all now seen online far surpass 
what was in this film, but I think that's just the effect of time. Yeah, because, but right. Besides all the shocking stuff, like so, you get, like we're not shocked by this. We're just it's just a it's like basically. But it was. It people were. I think no, it's no, important pe- to remember that people were though. People were, but let's like for me watching it right now, I'm not really. Um, no, of course so I'm not. just I'm just in, like into the story, and there are some scenes like in between the the opening when they're released onto the island, and uh, towards the end where they try to hatch their escape plan, that are kind of just enjoyable high school stuff for me. So you've got you this mean like the the kids hacking the system and all that type of thing. stuff like that yeah yeah okay so yeah. they're one bunch they decide to work together one of them has a tracking device and uh, they decide to work together to um, yeah build big bombs <laughs> and hack my favorite my favorite part by that is the the, the boss hacker guys like go and get me uh, charcoal sulfur all this other stuff and they're like yep okay. And then they come back with like all of the materials that he requested on this abandoned island. They're like, "Yeah, we found sulfur. Yeah, that no drew, problem, mate. That, we just we went down to the sulfur store where they keep the sulfur. We got that. That no worries. Right we got bags of sulfur for you." Spielberg into like John, John Hughes kind of territory. Yeah. Uh, it's just goofy as hell, but I like it. I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy the girl in the yellow tracksuit, and then that guy who comes up to her and he's like, "Look, do you want to die a virgin?" And then she's just like, "Oh, <laughs> you fucking gross piece of shit!" And she's having none of it. That's him. very yeah. That seems like something out of some kind of John John Hughes film as well. The guy with one fella runs into the the scientist hacker boys, and he's seeking out this girl. He really really wants to run into find this girl. So he's just running around the place finding trying to find her and then she eventually kills him or she shoots him and then he as he's dying expresses to her that he always had a crush on her and he does it by saying as he's dying he looks at her and he goes uh, you're so cute oh man I, yeah it's fucking <laughs> incel the movie it's, oh, it's just God. unbelievable yeah 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 but that's, then, it's it's very ac- it's an accurate depiction of having taught Japanese teenagers I've seen a lot of this even in in older teenagers I've seen this in uni students so it's not a shock yeah me. so there's this pervading through the movie there's the, it's it's the riffing on what would be a crisis of masculinity let's say in um, Japanese culture and this isn't like the first time in their history by a long shot that they've run into something like this cuz I don't know we we've chatted about it a wee bit before but I don't know if you ever heard of this poem Mishima. Um, yeah. So he was he was a famous writer in in Japan that around immediately post war got into like a big weight regime and masculinity and ideas like this and really wanted to pursue and get back the Japanese identity in opposition to communist influences from China and so forth like a, just a royalist capitalist identity and he eventually ended up trying to trying to achieve a coup and um, killing himself in the what's that way not not Harry Carey uh, the other simple, way. Seppuku. That's it. Uh, and he did that. So. Oh, yeah. So the, this was the one that Paul Schrader made the film about. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, it's, it's the oddest thing. It's like, I, I've never seen the film. I've read a bunch about the guy. No, no. I've listened to the soundtrack so many times by Philip Glass. That's a big shout out. We'll include a link. Mm. Uh, the Mishima soundtrack by Philip, Philip Glass is absolutely fantastic. But yeah, it, it appears that this is kind of what the film is, is getting at because we keep running into. Yeah. Well, at at least a few times, just guys that weren't able to properly express their feelings to girls, girls being more masculine than than the guys. Love you. Yeah, yeah. They're just in love. Like everybody's in love with somebody. And then, um, yeah. And then eventually what it comes down to is like guys 
protecting women mainly that's the like we'll we'll get to that eventually but in the, some kind of yeah mostly in a horrible like mis misguided way that leads to their death yeah okay so then what we run into next the, the okay it's got to be it's got to be considered like a big scene in the movie is the lighthouse scene so yeah. so we've got who are our guys again nanahara noriko and kawada uh, just romping away, trying to get to a the certain, goodies. trying to get to a certain point in the island, uh, a certain point in the island, and they need to separate because the psychotic other exchange student, Kazuo, the transfer student, a transfer uh, student, is following them around. So they have to separate, Hiriyama. and he ends up in um, this lighthouse where it's basically the movie The Beguiled. It's just mm. him in a bed with a bunch of Japanese schoolgirls there to look after him. <laughs> And they're gonna make him some dinner. The girls have immediately set up house. They've just fitted right into their gender roles. They're cooking and cleaning and looking after the man. And then what happens is there's a girl there who re- who even realizes that earlier in the film Nanahara had killed I don't know whatever boy she was in love with with an axe. Now. It doesn't matter to her that this chap had happened to come at Nanahara with said axe trying to murderize him and the axe had ended up in the her her bow's head in a, in a, in a struggle. That doesn't matter much to him and she decides to poison him. And of course, one of the girls comes back and is like, "Oh, I'm fucking starving." She starts munching into give these that, noodles. Give me that poison food. <laughs> the girl makes mm, no no effort poison. to stop her and then she Yeah, starts, she's just like, "Ah, fuck it." Ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, death is all Sounds around us. Cool, um, and then uh, starts vomiting. going to die one day. Vomiting blood everywhere, uh, which is how poison works in movies. Yep. Um, and then we open up on the machine gun fire and massacre the whole scene. Um, I think that's maybe my favorite part of the film, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, the best, it's the best scene. It's pretty funny. Because they're all just shooting at each other and judging each other. It's like, you're a murderer, and they're shooting at each other. It's, it's very funny. It's got to be. They're aiming for funny. Like, that's one thing yeah. here as well. I mean, it ran into an, an awful lot of controversy on based on influences it might have had in Japanese society and, yeah. and so forth. There was a, there was a kid that... Uh, murdered another kid there's a famous case that occurred it was uh in a it's the sassy sassybo slashing so an 11 year old girl killed a 12 year old girl in uh in an elementary school in nagasaki she slit the 12 year old's throat and arms with a box cutter having and they seen claimed, this film that's what was claimed. It was in 2004. I, I don't know if she'd watched it or not. But I, I mean, it's a controversial statement to make. But I mean, okay, even though despite the fact that in recent years, everybody puts everything down to genes, they say schools don't even matter. But uh, like, it's the same with those Italian girls that murderize somebody and blame Marilyn Manson. It's like, I mean, is that all that was happening? You were listening to Marilyn Manson and decided to do this. Is that the only factor in your life there, Sunshine? I, personally, I, this, I don't see how this film could have influenced that. I really, really don't. It's just not... Well, I, I think again, there was a lot of other stuff going desensitized. on. Desensitized. Uh, anyway, and then at which point Nanahara escapes and uh, he... Get, how does he get reunited with the guys? I mean, he's on crutches, basically, mm. and then I think he just runs into Noriko and he finds Noriko and Kawada. And at this yeah, point... Yeah, that's all that happens. He just, he finds them. Yeah, he comes to that, like, they're in the house together or something, or... At this point, no, Kit- I can't remember, Kitano... But he just finds them. 
Catano has helped out Noriko by, because he had a dream about uh, eating an ice cream with her. Um, Which is, that's another creepy part. I don't understand what that's Yeah, that's odd there as, for. As Supposedly, from reading, when I read about it, it suggested that he viewed Noriko as his daughter. Oh, yeah, that's not the reading it, I got of it. I thought it seemed like another yeah, it's like he fancies vaguely pedo thing. Yeah. yeah, it definitely comes across that he fancies her. Um, but his daughter does hate him. That's the thing mm. that we learn about in the in the film as well. So anyway, he gets reunited with these guys just as the the hackers get their game going, and uh, a betrayal happens. It appears Kawada was leading them on the whole time, and his game plan, when it's down to just the last three of them, his game plan was in fact to betray them and then get off the island that way. So then he. Seems to do that, but we do not see bodies. We just hear two gunshots. Pew, pew. And he submits himself to Kitano as the victor. But then, of course, at the last minute, Nanahara and Noriko emerge. And um, Surprise. Oh, yeah. And then we get, a, I have to say, a very silly, lengthy death scene. So they shoot Kitano a bunch of times. But that's, and- that's just, that's, I mean, that's just his, that's his style of comedy. After they've, yeah, they've shot him a bunch of times, his phone rings, so he picks it up and answers yeah. it and goes and sits on the sofa. Yeah, 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 it's gas. I mean, that is purely comedy, and that oh, yeah, 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 must yeah, have just sure. been something. I mean, there's so many elements of him doing silly little things that are clearly, I think that's just, I think elements of it are just, are just him doing, you know, calling the shots, it seems like, just doing I mean, kind of like silly yeah, but- things. This is the reason it becomes like it becomes difficult for me to accept as a controversial film because it is clearly a satire. It's quite yeah. fu- it's quite funny. Like um, yeah. even even when it's being melodramatic, you get the sense that it's also simultaneously making fun of melodrama. Like when like t- t- don't tell me he's go- like whatever age Fukusaka was at this age. Don't tell me he's going full serious where he has the guy shot by the girl he loves, and then the guy says, "You're so cute." I you don't know. know. I think you're underestimating how earnest Japanese culture is. I might be. Do you know, I might be. Uh, they're not cynic, cynics like the Koreans. No, they don't understand. There's a lot like sarcasm used to be a problem for me there. Any road. They make do with Kitano. They leave the island on the boat. And then we, we see, we get to see Nanahara and Nanahara, uh, I keep forgetting her name, and Noriko as kind of a Noriko. Bonnie and Clyde couple running across Japan. Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> uh, let the record show I, I was laughing at something else that, entirely. I just want to say that's racist. not racist because that's how you would say it in Japanese. Just to All be right. clear, All in right. Japanese, for example, let me tell you, here, here's how you say French fries. Furaidu potato. And that's a fact. That's a hundred percent. So that there you Have go. Have you ordered that's that the, in a McDonald's the worst, there? Yes, yes. I've I've ordered all, I've ordered all of these foodstuffs like that, like hamburgers, Hamburg, Hamburger. Silly, uh, like. Um, and you have to say it like that. It's same as if you, you know, if you go to France or something, mm. or you know, I, I, uh, some other European nation, you you perhaps have to say things in a in a in English in a French accent, or maybe you've experienced. It I in remember Spain, I was having in... to put a Spanishify some English word. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was in in France one time, uh, and I, I asked these people for the time. They must have been Dutch. Or something, and uh, one of them says, one of them asks the other the time in in Dutch, seemingly, <laughs> and the other guy goes to him, 
teen pash teen pished teen and then the guy goes to me 10 past 10 <laughs> i thought that was funny i was like i could have gotten that uh so yeah then they escape on the boat kawada goes his way oh no he dies kawada dies while smoking kawada a bag, dies uh, yeah because which... he's cool but the, the those two transfer students so show the the two sides of being cool for japanese people oh, those really? are the two arch yeah those are the two archetypes of coolness you've got kawada who's like, he's good at everything. He, his, he says, my dad was a doctor. My dad was a fisherman. Mm. My dad was a chef. He's good at everything. He's a manly man, but he's caring and sympathetic. But he also smokes and drinks because he's hard. He's hard and the other nails. one is Sid Vicious. He doesn't speak. He's dressed all in black. He has this really nonchalant way of killing people. I mean, he's know. pretty cool. <laughs> he is pretty cool. It's He's pretty, a cooler guy. I like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's way better. I thought it was really strange when um, Kawada died smoking a fag, and then Noriko just takes up the fag, and it's like, oh, does she just start smoking now? Is that is that how she started smoking by taking a fag off a dead guy? <laughs> you would hope so. You would certainly, and you would certainly hope. So. Yeah, yeah because, well, because she becomes, you know, Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde. But then, but yeah. So but, I mean, yeah, they're they're running the streets of Tokyo at the end. They're just like running through central Tokyo. I didn't. I don't remember that ending at all. I've got no, no recollection of that being how the film ended. So uh, I'm not sure if that's a special I, edition. I am thing. actually just after remembering one final thing, though, from. Uh, Kitano's death scene, it actually turns out that he committed suicide because he had a water pistol. Oh, that's right, yeah. And which is biz- partially, a bizarre detail, to be honest. Partially because of the fact that he, his daughter hated him, because he does also shoot, he shoots his mobile phone oh, yeah, yeah, he does. Just to, as he's dying. Uh, which is very similar to last week's point, point blank of a oh, man yeah. shooting a phone. Men shooting telephones, yeah, yeah. Yep. We're finding the trend up. Exactly. Finding the tropes. Finding the tropes across cinema history so you don't how have much, to. How, how much have you read about the sequel to Battle Royale? Uh, Requ- abs- Battle Royale Requiem. Absolutely nothing, because I've heard it's kind of garbage. I know um, yeah. F- Fukusaku died uh, like after filming yeah. just one filmed, scene. Yeah, he filmed and one then his son, who wrote the Jessica screenplay, Tano. took over. Right, Kenta, Kenta, Kenta Fukusaku wrote the screenplay for the first Battle Royale. So he also he wrote the first he wrote the screenplay for the first film. Mm. But then, yeah, he took over from his late father to direct the second film. By the way, Kenta Fukusaku was born in 1972 during the production of Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Mm. No, it's when his when the son was born. Classic. And then, so yeah, he directed uh, Battle Royale Requiem. I just read the plot synopsis of it. One of the main characters is Mr. Kitano's daughter. It apparently it was it was panned and it did not do well at all. But mm. it's it's more of the guys who escaped from this film and some other people are kind of leading a war against the government. So it's a lot more of this force of rebels against the government. And then the government send in another class of school kids, except the school kids don't have to kill each other. They need to kill off the band of rebels. And apparently it's all just a big clusterfuck, really. And it's not good. So, yeah, it sounds, it, it does not sound good. Cause it, it sounds like a made, it sounds like a straight to DVD sequel, which is why. Oh, I except think I'm reading here, it's, it's 152 minutes long. Good God. That is insane. Good God. Yeah. yeah. Who the hell wants to watch that? That is mad. I I have to say about this film, at 45 minutes where probably about 20 people, 20 of the 40 or so kids had died, mm. I looked at the timer to see how long it had gone. 
Mm. And f- it was 45 minutes down. There was still like another hour 15 or so left or like at least an hour 10 minutes or something left. I just thought, oh my God, what else can there possibly be? Are Because I hadn't seen it for t- about 20 years. Did so you I find just it to be a bit like, of a slog? I did. I just felt like it, it actually picked up and it, it, it there was more to it. But when they were just going through... Almost similar in some ways. There's some similarities to to the other film, to Battles Without Honor and Humanity, because even though there is more of an act structure to this, you do you're you're still just counting down the people that they're killing off. Yeah, they're showing you a lot of individual scenes of like, okay, we'll take that box off. This is another thing that happened. There's someone else dead. And just at the early stages, I was like, I just don't want to just keep watching these teenagers being murdered or killing themselves. You like, see, I, there's got to be something a bit more to it. I thought, the, okay, there might have been one or two deaths too many, but I thought the tone that they went out with the deaths, I quite enjoyed. Like the kind of basically the, it was like a high school drama, but, you know, with machine guns tossed in. The stuff that kind of bored me a little bit was whenever it attempted to get a little bit too deep and I always felt that that was with the Kitano side of things because he's kind of representing the I don't know the the ire that Fukusaka would have felt for Japanese adults let's say yeah back in the day and I think this works at his best as uh Steven Spielberg or is this at like a, a meeting of minds between Steven Spielberg and Roger Corman almost just because it is a, a big schlocky B movie it's a fun idea for that. It reminds me of, I don't know, did you ever see the early Jonathan Demme movie produced by Roger Corman? It's called Caged Heat. And the whole, no. the, the elevator pitch is a sexy female prison movie. That's what it is. Mm. And it's pretty good. I mean, it's a, mm. you know, for what it is. I'm going to bank. So did you, you prefer Battles Without Honor or Humanity out of the two? Of this yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, me too. No, no question for me. No question. I think it's a better film. Well, it just is, yeah. It's bizarre to see where Fukusaku ended up as a director. What about this, though, that in 2009, Quentin Tarantino praised Battle Royale as the best film he had seen in the past two decades? He, yeah, yeah, but he's always throwing around statements like that, I'll say. Just he, being a dick. He also, I'm just like going, he also said... No, no, he also said it was the only film he's seen that he wished he had directed. Which, it's because he just want, he likes seeing Asians die. That's the, the <laughs> true. The well, he's truth. always throwing around he statements like that. gets off on it. But like, for example, you know, I'll take Quinta Tarantino at his word a lot of a lot of the time. I bet that's a difficult name to say in Japan. But like, like for example, I completely thought the the Lone Ranger looked like a big pile of shit. Quinta Tarantino really enjoyed it. I watched it. Turned out, I I quite enjoyed the Lone Ranger. I thought that was a good film. I've seen it probably I, twice. I still since. haven't seen it. I'd quite like to watch it actually. It's but good. Crack. I just I personally don't agree with the casting decisions that they made. Yeah, I to be honest, I don't know why they couldn't have cast a, a real black guy as Toto. Mm, Tonto. Is, Tonto, yeah, sorry, Tonto. Shit. <laughs> Fuck. It's not like you speak Spanish Fuck. or anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I just realized what that meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why it was controversial. That's one of the reasons why the original show was controversial. I did not know. Yeah, it's basically the, the, the Native American yeah, sidekick. Stupid. His name is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what a riot oh, I gotta get back on some of those episodes um, uh, yeah I, th- I think what's funny about Battle Royale which again is pronounced Battle Royale that's how you pronounce it I'm not gonna try it it's in written, case, in, written I, in Katakana I, I don't wanna um, pronounce it because you're being so authentic that I don't wanna be offensive yeah. you know 
but fair enough. Yeah, what's funny to me about this is that this shows Japanese culture at what they consider to be the absolute worst. It just imagine if our world was like this, how far we'd fallen.、Mm. But the way that they show their school at the start to me seems better than a lot of schools in the in the U.S. <laughs> like, like their fucked up school. That's oh yeah.、Uh, in in a society that's falling apart, I'm like, it's not that bad. I've、oh, seen worse schools. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's no question about that. The way we have, we have slightly different standards of social of,、uh, society and how people should act. Oh God, yeah. I mean, it's just in general, just to deviate slightly politically, but it would be even relevant to battle royale. Just like when you look at the way America has ended up, it's just kind of the Second Amendment is the second is the gun one, yeah.、Uh, uh, or yeah, is that Second Amendment? I'm not.、A、I think it is. Yeah, Constitution so the, expert. The Second Amendment is pre, is pretty much it's, it's these days it reads something like the B or Act. You know what I mean? It's it's a great basis for a fictional movie, maybe, but probably shouldn't exist in 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 reality so much. But at this、mm. point, they've kind of gone so far. There's no taking it away without dismantling the country. Seemingly, might be a controversial thing to say. I don't really think it、yeah. is that much. I actually like the Second Amendment. So there. I like the Second Amendment as a, a plot move <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's not somewhere I, I don't want to live. <laughs> no, no offense to America, I love you, but I don't want to live somewhere. Yeah. Where the BR Act is is being enforced. Yeah, I mean, free to men, free, and but I'll just I'll, I'll just whatever whatever's free, I'll take that. <laughs> Ba- nice. Battles without honor of、uh, humanity is is a better film. I will eventually try to catch up with、uh, Big Battle in Hiroshima or whatever the second one is. But for the moment, shall we move on to next week's toss? Now, tell me, what are、oh, you、yeah. bringing to the table? My choice for next week is the 2018 documentary film. Shall we say? Is it a documentary? It is indeed because it won the Academy Award for Best Documentary. Free Solo that. Profiles rock cry climber Alex Honnold on his quest to perform a free solo climb of El Capitan in June 2017. So, I chose this film without treading on any potential partner film. I'll just point out that the reason I what I want to see this is because, well, apart from anything, I heard it's really good and obviously、mm-hmm. it's、uh, critically acclaimed. But I watched the other film that Jimmy Chin directed, Meru. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw Meru during lockdown actually, while we were all in the old、uh, COVID lockdown. I watched Meru, and it was nice to watch a group of people climbing a Himalayan peak. And I'd heard that Free Solo is better than Meru, so I thought, hey, why not? Well, the footage, the footage in Meru is is just spectacular. It's,、oh, it's just yeah, amazing. It's amazing.、Uh, really it's amazing. So I I have faith in Jimmy Chin as a climber and a documentary maker. All right. Well,、um, what I'm going to bring to the table is the 2017 revisionist western, directed by, written and directed actually by Scott Cooper, Hostiles. I've chosen this because I like I I really appreciate what Scott Cooper does, even if his films don't always land in at five star. He's really committed to like realistic sort of pacing and characterization of people. I don't know. Did you see his?、Um, Whitey Bulger film Black Mass, but I mean that's yeah, that's I think that's perhaps the only Scott Cooper film I've no, watched. No, you've probably seen Crazy Heart, I'd say. I、Have、never、you? watched it. Oh no, really? I haven't seen it. 
Um, and he's got another one that I've seen with Woody Harrelson that's not quite coming to my head right now, but never mind. Um, yeah, I, I quite like uh, what Scott Cooper gets up to in his films, and I'd like to see his spin on a, rest, on a Western. Apparently, it's quite brutal. And also, next up... He's... Oh, yeah, so the other films he did, Out of the Furnace. Out that's of the Furnace. The one... Out of the Furnace. Yeah, that's the Woody Harrelson. Yeah, with Christian Bale and Casey Affleck. And he's got one coming up next year that um, called Antlers that uh, mm. uh, Guillermo del Toro roped him in to produce because he rightfully spotted that Black Supernatural Ma- horror film. Black Mass it comes across like a horror film, which it actually really does at times. So he said Scott Cooper's ha- would have a real energy for that. So it seems like he might be along to Nolanize the horror genre with Antlers. But first of all, I want to catch up with Hostiles, which, according to anything I've heard or read about the film, is, you know, it's quite a horrific watch. So uh, good luck to me in the old coin toss anyway. I believe I tossed last time. I'll give it a toss. So this time, let's see what I have heads or not. Okay, so I have a church and a five. I'll go five. And it is the five. All right. That's two in a row for you, Chief. Yeah. All right. We're going hand solo and let Hostiles die in the vaults. Well, I'm sure I'll watch Hostiles at some point. Uh, well, I'll just never after, speak of it. I've just, <laughs> just watch it in a closet and let it die there. <laughs> well, I've just noticed that it has Jesse Plemons in it. So, you know, fuck that shit. Jesse P. Lemons. Jesse Plemons. Good God. All right. I think this is. So, was what's it. coming with the old free solos? Oh, yes, yes, that's right. My response, my response in turn to it would, let's see, I will pull out of the bag Little Dieter uh, Needs to Fly, documentary by Werner Herzog about oh, um, nice. POW uh, escapee Dieter. Nice. The guy I haven't, I haven't watched this. Great. Actually, there's a, there's a, a connect across because it's, um, it's a documentary, obviously, as well as a documentary about an extraordinary person who managed to escape a POW camp, but it's also one that... Uh, it's based on this fellow Dieter, whose name I'll get up. Uh, Dieter, Dieter Dengler. I've looked it up already. Dieter Dengler. That's the best name ever. Dieter who, Dengler. I wish went, I was called Dieter Dengler. Who went on to be played for Werner Herzog by Christian Bale. Christian Bale, who is also uh-huh. the lead in Hostiles. So that gets us back <laughs> That's around. a great connection there. Connecting to a film that wasn't part of the toss. It was your side of the toss. Hey, no, I, that's do, no, I actually hey, just noticed the connection It's also a documentary. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I like about this is that well, it has two running times. The theatrical running time is 80 minutes and the television running time is 52 minutes. <laughs> well, we'll go theatrical, will we? Yeah, I think we can. I think I can stretch to 80 minutes oh, in this one. 80 minutes. What a fucking legend, Werner Herzog. Free solo, free solo is 100, but it's 100, oh, you know. Fucking come on. selfish. At least asshole. 20 of that is probably uh, credit. Uh, fucking better be. You selfish. <laughs> I'm making movies over 50 minutes. 50 minutes. What kind of cunts? Come on, that, that's that's 180 minutes total. Yeah, that's three bad. hours maximum for the season. Well, all right. So long as I can get the, the season four of The Shield in this week, I'll be happy. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I guess we'll uh, call it a day on that. All links attached in the bio, friends. Yep. Uh, apart from that, uh, if I I just want to say I like Japan. It's a nice place. I People really want to nice. go. 